Welcome to the Beautiful Souls Podcast with your host, myself, Danielle Cadwell. I'm an Olympian author, speaker, and coach, and I'm here to dive deeper into all things mindset, manifestation, mission, and yes, some meditation. In 2013, I was an unfit, concussed, and massively self-conscious synchronized swimmer when an opportunity arrived that was well beyond my wildest dreams to begin training for the next Olympic Games. I was terrified. However, I decided to take the biggest leap of my life. I went all in, moving from Canada to Australia and dedicating my life to my sport. On this journey, I made a vow to myself. If I could do it, if I could really make my wildest dreams come true, I would spend the rest of my life sharing what I had learned to help others do the same. So beautiful souls, this podcast is where I fulfill my promise. We'll talk about everything from the energetics of manifestation and the power of self-worth to mindset cultivation and how to step up and into your soul mission. You can think of this time together as kind of like a soul spa, where together we will wash away your fears, massage you with some truth and some love, and spruce you up on the insides with some spirituality. So, are you ready to be rejuvenated from the inside out? Let's dive in. So I'm calling out all of my spiritually minded, personal development, growth oriented human beings who are doing this work and you either have children or you want to have children or you are dealing with challenging children, um, you are going to love this episode because I interviewed Kay, uh, Kay Doran, Kay Doran, sorry, (laughs) Um, and We spoke about many things about her life's journey and, you know, Kay is 58 and she's been in this work for, you know, 30 to 40 years. And one of the things that we had a really beautiful conversation about where half the podcast was, you know, being, you know, know, she was a life coach and shamanic, uh, you know, healer 35 years ago, right? It was a lot more woo-woo back then. And she, her children grew up with this as their normal. And so I was asking her a lot of questions around, um, you know, what it is like to be in this work and do the best that we can for our children, but also knowing that they have to have their own soul's journey. So I think you guys are going to absolutely love this episode. Kay is incredibly wise. Um, she is a beautiful personality and she has, um, done some amazing things in the world. And I think that you guys, I I really love this conversation and I cannot wait to hear how it lands with you. So dive in and enjoy. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Beautiful Souls podcast. I have the incredible Kay Doran here today joining us from Australia, who is an amazing shamanic leadership life coach. She is a professional speaker, an international author, and she is empowering you all into the inner knowing. So Kay and I met through kind of like the magic of the universe and the internet um, a couple months ago, and I got the opportunity to speak on her um, podcast the uh, oh my gosh Volva Revolva Volva Revolva it's a tongue twister (laughs) and um, wanted to have her on here to speak about her you know life's journey and her wisdom in the work that she does so thank you so much for being here oh look it's I just love your energy and I love great conversations you know and I love the journey that a conversation can take people on so yeah I'm just so thrilled that uh, that you're having me on your on your program, on your podcast. I'm excited too. Um, I know that, you know, I feel like 
uh, you, when I first spoke to you, you were telling me that you have been in this world for over 20 years and that makes 30. 30. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's like, I was just born 30 years ago. So (laughs) you are a wealth of wisdom. I would love to know kind of what was your like inception point of your spiritual journey that led you into you know, leading, like being a shamanic leader, because that is a powerful initiation, I can imagine. And I can imagine there is a story behind yeah. it. Yeah. And thank you for acknowledging that, because it actually is. And, um, you know, you're pretty much born a shaman or chosen and called to be a shaman. You know, a, lo- a lot of people can choose a shamanic path and practices, but it actually doesn't make you a shaman. And, you know, from the age of five, my mother would tuck me into bed and she'd close the door and I'd go, God, I know that I chose to be here, but please take me home. Mm. I'll come back in the morning. So, you know, just in the innocence of being a child, I, I sort of had this knowing with me that I'd chosen to be here, that I'd come from uh, God. And I'm not talking about a religious God. I'm talking about, you know, the the all-knowing of the whole universe. I had a sense that I was connected to all that there is, everyone and everything, the way I can describe it is it's just like a knowing. I couldn't sort of conceptualise it. I mean, I was five, but I had this knowing. And I always had this really powerful inner voice. So, for example, and it guided me through life and it spoke to me like it was someone else sort of speaking to me, but it was inside of me. So, for example, you know, I'd go to try to communicate with my mother. You know, both my parents were emotionally unavailable, loved them to bits, played their perfect part. But, you know, I would sort of be shut down and as I'd turn and walk away, that voice would be telling me and teaching me and and helping me understand why she couldn't, where it came from, what was going on in her subconscious. Mm -hmm. I know this sounds crazy, but this is true. Um, And it never shut down. And I call it the inner voice of knowing because that's how I knew it to be. It was a voice inside of me that had absolute knowing And I believe that words have power. I know that words have power because I feel energy. Everything for me is about energy. And the word intuition, which is what a lot of people call it, feels really watered down. It's not something that we can just grab hold of and really develop a faith and understanding in that word intuition. It feels a bit sort of out there, ethereal Mm -hmm. kind of, whereas if it's an inner voice of knowing, it's like a stake in the ground. Mm. Um, And I had a car accident that, should have killed me when I was about 18. Even the police said, oh, my God, you should be wrapped around that tree. You should not be here right now. The front of the car was literally in my face. I'd hit the steering wheel. I was in a lot of pain and no one seemed to be able to help that. So one day, and, of course, constant pain creates a sense of inner stress that you're not aware is is happening because you're dealing, like, mentally, physically, emotionally, you're dealing with it all the time. Mm. It's just a constant companion. So my mother, bless her, said, why don't you go learn to meditate? You're so stressed. And I'm like, I'm in pain. Yeah. She, she, she's, um, she was a lot older and from a different era, but when I look back and reflect on things that she would say to me or do, I'm like, wow, she was ahead of her time. Yeah. So I went to this Raj meditation group where you learn, it was free. And you learn to meditate with your eyes open. Um, And that was, I had a profound experience where I actually, why I'm comfortable with the word God, because I met the God 
in me. My eyes were open. I was focusing on a point in the carpet. There was this pinpoint of light that was just so incredibly bright, like indescribably bright, but tiny. And I'm sort of blinking, going, oh, is something wrong with my eyes? Or And it shot across the room and it hit me in the chest. And I went sort of backwards into the lounge chair and there was like this explosion. No words are really appropriate for describing it, but there was this explosion and this connectedness and this overwhelming feeling of universal love, for lack of a better word. And I just wept. Mm-hmm. I just wept like, yeah. And I remember going back to the class and I don't know why, but I think I wanted, you know, the ego wants validation. And I told them what happened and they just looked at me and went, oh, well, that was special. <laughs> and again, that inner voice of knowing is sort of like, you know, this was your experience. You know what, what took place. Um, and then I was guided to travel around Australia with my eldest daughter. And, um, yeah, just walked up into this room in Cairns, not knowing why this woman came out. We looked at each other. She said, you're here to see me. I'm like, I suppose I am. And she did the most profound reading. I don't believe this woman needed any tools, but she started off where I had to throw the I Ching coins, um, which is why I now at times wear an I Ching pendant. There's a big piece of artwork in my healing work because I feel like this is, you know, the accident was one thing because there's no one point that changes us. Mm. It's a combination of, of things. And long story short, at the end of the reading, and she was so profound and described in detail places I'd been, you know, told me I'd be writing books and, you know, booking lots of people. And I'm like, mm, well, no idea what she's talking about. But at the end, she said, you've got this incredible ear. You need to listen more. I'm like, okay. And when I was walking the street, telling my husband at the time what had happened, as soon as I told him that, that inner voice of knowing that I've heard all my life said, don't you understand, Kay? I'm with you all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm here. I'm guiding. I'm teaching. I'm, Yeah. I'm here to get your vision to turn back inwards. And I came back to Perth, joined a group, and then everything that happened in my life, I was I was um, mistreated, bullied, I suppose you could say, from the spiritual community. I just wanted to learn. I just wanted to absorb. But I recognise now everything was designed to get me to come back in and listen to the greatest teacher that there was, that universal voice inside of me. And that's what it did. Um, and yeah, I became an unsuspecting sort of trans channeler. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the, the lessons from that were, it's actually all within, mm-hmm. we're supposed to own the wisdom, um, the universe is within us and we are within the universe. So anything we perceive to be outside of ourselves spiritually is actually part of mm-hmm. who we are mm-hmm. and to own that wisdom, to own that guidance, to, to embody it. And that became my message and my my mission, I suppose, for back then I was working with men and women and then the healing work sort of started. I was on the couch one day because I was bringing babies into the world and was sort of doing the traditional path of healing, I suppose, of spiritually speaking, and it made me a mess. Danielle, I was a crying wreck <laughs> and I realised I was trapped in my past as a victim it wasn't really healing. It was energetically taking me away from the now moment. And I sat on the couch and I'm like, God, there must be an easier way to heal. And that's when I got taught how to work with the energy, 
how to work with sound tools, what the sound tools do. Um, that's when I was told I'm shaman. Um, you know, I had an experience where I spent the first four years of my life in New Guinea, baptised in New Guinea, and on the way home we travelled, coming back to Melbourne where I lived at the time, and I had a vision of myself or I was shown <clears throat> I was four-year-old, little blonde-haired, blue-eyed kid on the hip of this beautiful Maori woman in traditional clothing, and she was telling me about who I am, that I am connected to the earth in a way um, that I will feel other people's pains, thoughts, sorrows, that I will feel and hear the earth, the animals, all this sort of stuff. And this came back to me. And I don't know why, but I was telling my mother that. And um, she gave me a photo of me on this Mary woman's hip. Wow. Yeah. So she was she was basically at that point in time telling me that I was shaman. Mm. Um, so I had to learn to, like I said, all those lessons were designed for me to just come back to that voice of knowing. So it was a path of surrendering and trusting, aligning my will with that of the divine will. And then in my 40s, I felt like I had to re-enter the workforce and take that skill set <clears throat> And I moved into management, team building, sales, coaching, and I was bullied in every role that I went into. I was bullied by teams. It was such a rude awakening. I'd, I'd spent 20 years where people were seeking me out, you know, mm -hmm. and wanting to grow. And um, so I went in like a wide-eyed child and got slapped around a whole lot, you know, uh, about what is really happening in that world. Mm. Uh, bullied by management, bullied by upper management. Never thought I'd come back to this work. I too got stuck in my comfort zone and full of excuses and uh, reasons why I couldn't leave but knowing I had to leave. Um, and then life brought me back to what I do and what I'm born to do and I feel really fired up about it, really well armed with now I focus on working with women and combining my shamanic elements and understanding of the world with, you know, uh, master life coaching to really empower women to get past that comfort zone where we hold mm -hmm. ourselves back, where it can happen to the best of us, why it happens, where it comes from, but not just to conceptualise. We have to integrate for it to actualise, for that change to, you know, throughout the whole body, the whole being create change and that's where energy comes in because from my perspective we are energy and soul first and human second and we tend to think that we are human first and then sort of put soul and energy and that's where we trip up because we've got to flip it if that mm. makes sense mm. wow what an incredible journey that your life has taken you on and like <laughs> to be where you are now and like a wealth of wisdom it's so interesting why do you think that you were brought back to the workforce you know after spending all those years kind of like in the spiritual world i needed to grow into resonance of the woman that i am today i needed to be in that world immersed in that world to have credibility you know, I mean, I started this work in my 20s. I was 25, right, mm. or, you know, sort of thrown into it. it. It, I didn't seek any of it out. It just 
kept coming, kept unfolding. Mm. And I mean, to to have real credibility, you've got to be able to walk in other people's shoes. Mm. So if I was coaching and, and doing that work and wanting to also bring this work also into, you know, corporate lives as well, like mm. true leadership comes from within, you mm. know, being able to guide ourselves through life is true leadership for me. Um, they would be saying, well, what do you know? Mm. Um, and I needed that experience. I didn't understand it at the time. I also realised that bullying had been a lifelong companion and it had become so familiar that it had to be extreme for me to recognise it. Um, yeah, and I had this power poster. People call it like a vision board. But, again, back in my 20s I was teaching what people call manifestation. I now call it conscious creation because we're manifesting all the time, consciously or unconsciously. Um, and I had myself with some big-name people, you know, Michael Beckwith. And um, and part of me, even though I knew I was guided to re-enter the workforce, there was another human element that, of me that thought, God, if I failed, I always felt that life would be amazing in my mid to late 50s. I don't know why. Even when I was a kid, I was excited to get to my mid to late 50s. People <laughs> thought I was nuts. I had a vision of myself, you know, walking a stage. And I thought, had I had I failed? Was that wrong? You know? Um, and last year I was video, I was um, filmed for a movie called Adversity. Mm. And would you believe it? Michael Beckwith is in it, Jack Canfield, oh, wow. Dr. D. Martini. And I was in a meditation one day and it's like I had to be in that world because when I made that poster, I was not feeling what I recognise now was the true worth. I was, not, I was not in the right vibrational frequency. I needed to travel that landscape. Mm. You know, the reasons we do things are multi-layered mm. and they unfold over time and we see how multi-layered you know, the experience or experiences are. And part of it was because I actually had to grow into the frequency, the resonance, the deserving. I'm so solid on my knowing. I'm so solid on what I know to be truth beyond the shadow of the belief system, and that is always unfolding. But I'm rock solid in it, mm. if that makes sense. I, I don't need to convince anybody. It's not a belief. It's an absolute knowing. So I needed to grow into that even to be in that movie mm, mm. and to stand in the place where I stand now and do what I'm doing now. It's interesting that you say that because, you know, that's something that um, me and Luca, my fiance, have reflected on because we lived in Bali for a while and Bali in many ways is like there is very much a spiritual hub there. And it, it is amazing. And I think sometimes when we kind of have our own awakenings, we we want to we all say we're just going to like leave the world. We're going to build a commune. We're all going to live together and just like sing Kumbaya every night, like which, again, <laughs> is amazing. Right. But I one of the things that I feel like I've been reminded of and is like you reflected it as well is like the real work is living in the world, right? Yes. The real work it, it is being able to take all of this and still being able to live it amongst the regular folk. And I don't mean that like better or yeah. worse, just different, right? Because it's all well and good to like be in your spiritual states of consciousness when you're by yourself in your room, but it's very different when you're like in traffic and you're working with other people and you face family issues and employee issues. And that's really where we, that's, and also that's where it's needed, right? Yes. And that's why we came, yeah. you know, soul first, the soul 
chose to come in and experience this world because of the emotional element that comes with it, you know, the mind, the and the true utopia is actually in here. Mm. So last year I set an intention every year personally for myself, you know, that I just align to. It's my stake in the ground of, okay, this is what I come back to. Last year it was joy regardless of external circumstances. And what that forced me to do is to come back to the now moment and really integrate the understanding that, you know, the discord is when we go back to the past or we project fearfully into the future. But in that now moment, now how do we get that if we're sort of isolating ourselves into Mm. some sort of there's no adversity, there's no challenge, there's, and I'm going to tell you that is going to happen because we are human and we do have egos. Do you know what I mean? We're tested all the time. But you're exactly right. It's about actually bringing that into the world and recognise we also create or co-create our own personal reality, you know, mm. piercing the the illusion that intrudes and recognising again that we are energy and soul first and working with that energy mm. and learning to go into the universal flow and then how does it serve us as human beings and 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 guide us to move through this world. And it's like meditation. You know, I used to say to people, like when I was a single parent with three kids and I didn't have a room to lock myself into for meditation, it was brilliant because the kids would come up and tap me on the shoulder and then I, mum, 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 and I'd have to learn to stay centred. If I locked myself away in a darkened room and lit the candle and had the incense, it actually makes us hypersensitive to then going out into the busyness. So even learning to meditate with my eyes open, learning to meditate you know, in the busiest, noisiest circumstance means that I'm not hypersensitive. I can I can learn to move through the world. I'm not saying it's always perfect, <laughs> but learn to move through the world with that fluidity, with that inner peace, with that calm, mm-hmm. and then react to the world that way. Mm-hmm. But if you lock yourself away and do it spiritually you know with all those senses and smells and quiet and we become really energetically sensitive to the onslaught of the the lower frequencies in the world Mm. it's like being able to create that calm within the chaos right and so many of us want i see this like you know with myself and and clients it's like we want to create the perfect circumstance right you know it's like the incense has got to be on the room's got to be quiet and the perfect temperature and totally silent and if there's any but it's like it's like exactly what you're saying it's like that's beside the point we have come here to live amongst the world right we didn't or else we would have all been dropped on a planet being the solo human right there's like a reason there's eight billion of us because we're supposed to like trigger and challenge each other it's it's the growth of the soul Mm. the experience of the soul that we came in for it's in the adversity it's in the challenges that we actually grow and you know have you ever noticed that that can feel really uncomfortable at the time but if we do that work oh my god the insight that we feel amazing you know we feel empowered and all those key words that are used and thrown around because of that journey, because of that experience, we get to know who we are as a soulful, energetic being mm. via that experience and the perspectives um, that we bring to it mm. or that are given to us. 
So yeah. when you were going through that um, bullying situation at your work, you know, because I can imagine there'd be lots of people listening in their own pockets of the world, challenges at work and in life. How did you actually move through that? Um, yeah, that's a really good question. And this is where we need to be careful and not also betray our values. Because when I came out of it, I realized I was betraying my values. I kept putting myself into a place and, you know, for the sake of the dollar and paying the bills and all the rest of it, that, um, um, you know, staying for the wrong reasons. But part of it was I learned to ask for my voice to be heard. So in the beginning, in the first role, I was um, trainee manager. <clears throat> my manager, gorgeous young man in his 30s, uh, found me pretty powerful and misread that as I wouldn't address it appropriately. And in the end, I said, I'm, I'm walking out today unless you give me a platform to address these people. Mm. And I did. And it, it's about the speaking of truth. For me, it was about the speaking of truth and calling out and sharing where I was coming from and asking the questions. And in the end, their heads were hanging in shame. There were other lessons about learning to understand the rules of the game in that world mm -hmm. and going to uh, learning to go to HR, let people have my back. Mm -hmm. Again, my voice be heard. Also learning that they were teaching me about myself. Mm -hmm. You know, like that question of why do I keep experiencing this? What is it that I that I need to know mm -hmm. about myself? And again, that was multi-layered and how comfortable I was with bullying and um and then also to not get caught up in it. In one of the biggest roles that I had as an area manager and lots of people that I that I managed you know, there was the manager, not the manager above me, but the big top wig, and he would come and try to intimidate me. And that's when I would do my energy work and go, I see what you're doing and I'm not going to bite. I'm not a victim in this. And I think that's the key thing. Don't become a victim of what's taking place. Mm -hmm. You know, search for the answers and the insight and also know yourself well enough to hold the ground. Mm. So I knew that he was trying to rattle me. So I rattled him by keeping a smile on my face and, oh, if that's what you've chosen, okay, yeah. And then I'd watch the irritation in his face. So part of it was learning, again, hold, hold my own, know who I am and learn what the game is but play by my own rules. Mm. And then I finally did uh, in the last role I had broke the cycle of the bullying. And that meant that I'd learned, I'd learned to speak up. I'd learned to get the right people on my side. I'd learned to go, I'm not going to be a victim in anything. I learned to, again to go, what am I needing to know? What am I needing to learn? And then the choice of don't betray my values. I fell into betraying my values mm. and that, in the la one of the last roles, that biggest role, and I had a lot of people turn against me because they'd been in that particular industry that I had no experience in and they wanted that role. 
and in came the blonde-haired, blue-eyed, you know, woman that didn't have any experience in that. And, of course, they, you know, people stalk you and see your background and all the rest of it. And I had this stance of, F you, you don't know who you're dealing with. Bring it on. But I look back now going, I had an energetic stance of fight. Mm. That's not, I thought I was being empowered, but I actually wasn't. Mm. Energetically, I was coming from a different place. Um, And, you know, I was meant to come back to this work. Some people, uh, you know, everyone's meant to be somewhere different, but work towards the environment that matches your values. Mm. It's really big too that you're able to, I think, I mean, for for anyone to, to be able to like, put your ego to the side and realize, yeah, there's things that I, you know, did wrong in this, right? Because we our ego never wants to do that. We always want to, again, play the victim. But that self-realization, I think, is so powerful because it is actually what you said, such an important point that there is a difference between being in your own personal empowerment and then also being like in fight mode, right? Where you're just like, let me prove something to you. And there's a difference between the two things, like energetically and, and, you know, in an integrity point of view as well, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I, you know, it can happen. Getting past our comfort zone, we all need help. Mm. And the coach and the healer and I'm both are purely just a guide who knows the terrain Mm -hmm. and can see and guide you through that where you don't yet see for yourself. Um, and, you know, it was getting coaching then myself, uh, et cetera, that um, really has elevated me to to where I am because by our very nature of, you know, the false stories and beliefs that we hold stored that are our unconscious drivers in the subconscious, you know, all the memories um, from repetitiveness, repetitive thought, repetitive beliefs in the body. So we can start growing, but all of that is designed to pull us back. Mm. You know, all of that is designed, it's like a double elastic band and we get so far and the elastic band to the old is so tight and it's designed to pull us back mm. and that we might be conscious Like I was conscious that I needed to move on. I was conscious that I needed to leave on my own terms. I was conscious of, but I didn't. Mm. So 20 years of experience in supporting and helping others, I too am afflicted with being human and all Mm. that comes with it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So we need to also learn to put our hands up, just like I learned in, you know, being in that workforce, to go to the right people, get the support, you know. Um, it's it's the same thing. Mm. And I easily put my hand up for all that I knew, all that I know, all that, you know, it happened to me too. I got completely and utterly stuck. Mm. And you I know? think the, it, it's such a beautiful reminder too, I think, what happens when people, you know, start listening to coaches or, or leaders or um, thought uh, people, th- 
thought, oh my gosh, thought provoking speakers. Yeah. We sometimes put them on a pedestal and like, oh, they got everything figured out. And in many ways, like there is a certain level of wisdom that you do have, but they're like, we're all learning. Right. And, and we're never, we're no better than anyone else. And it doesn't mean that, you know, we don't make mistakes and have moments where we slip up and know that we can do better. But, you know, one of the things that I say to my clients and, and I admire that you do, you are doing here is just like the, willing to be and admit when you do wrong, right? And that you're human and we've come here for the human experience and it's okay. And if anything, I think people respect humans more that if they do wrong, then put their hand up and admit it that they can do better than the people that, because there are people that do wrong and then just blindly deny it for the rest of their life, right? And I think it's wrong when we don't own it. It's wrong when we're not vulnerable. It's wrong when we don't take a lesson and learning out of it. And I think the more that we grow and empower ourselves, we'll spend less time in that flawed place, Mm. if that makes sense. And I don't even like using the word flawed because, you know, that's repaired when when we learn it. But, you know, where I used to stay for months on end, I might, I had, I had something really challenging happen a year or two ago. Um, And a friend turned up and she's been working with me for a very long time. (laughs) And she watched me sort of go into the, you know, the victimhood of it and the poor me moments of it and the point the finger. And I came out of it in about four minutes flat. (laughs) And she went, wow. And I said, yeah, but isn't that everything that we apply is we can still go there. Yeah. But then that conscious choice. And I love that word choice because everything is the choice to go, hold on, this is out of alignment with my truth. Mm. This is out of alignment with, you know, and so I I did, I journeyed down and back up transformatively really fast. Whereas years ago, I may have just lived from there. Yeah. Visited and set up camp for a while, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, or yeah. just sort of stepped in and, oh, day's enough, you know, next yeah. place. Um, but that's what it's about. It's that's the magic of it, mm. you know. And then we both just laughed because I'm like, Jesus, that was a fast trip. <laughs> yeah, and and I think that's the power of like doing the inner work, the personal empowerment, the spiritual work, because it's not that the challenges don't come, but this is something I've noticed within myself too. Is like they still come and you still have those moments, but you move through them so much faster. Like things that would have taken years take minutes because you still need to go through the human process, but you just know how to process it quicker, right? And you accelerate. It's like turning on a tap, Mm. you know? You can have a really, the drip, the small flow or the the really large flow. And energetically, it's like moving through the chakra system, you know? We can do it at great speed Mm. um, and becoming masterful at it. And then making that part of our knowing self stronger than the um, false stories and beliefs that sometimes we revisit um, until they're completely uprooted. And, you know, we're changing the mindset, we're changing emotionally and we're changing the memory in the body. Mm. Um, And that's not not done in one foul sweep. That's an ongoing process, Mm. you know. Mm. Um, And... Again, you know, that last year of living in the now moment, joy regardless of external circumstances. And every time I did a practice of, you know, where I put my hand on the chest and some breathing into that space, 
and bring choosing to be in the now moment, I'd sort of go, wow, life is good. Rather than focused on what the adversity, what the challenge was and um, and it's in that space too that, you know, we're constantly turning up that inner voice of knowing and we all have it. Everyone has it. Everyone has that universal all-knowing voice within and it's, um, I call it inner voice of knowing power and potential. So it's inner voice of knowing but it's got these other components to it. So the inner voice of knowing is that, you know, the I am divine presence, God, whatever you'd like to call it. Um, the inner voice of power is the soul because the soul is, you know, that which the soul is seeking is seeking us. And um, potential is the inner voice of our future successful self that gives us that aspiration. And really what she's saying is come, mm -hmm. come on, you're already successful, I'll show you the way. You know, so that inner voice of knowing, when you when you look at it in like those three components, um, why wouldn't you trust it? Mm. That's a lot of wisdom. And it's, it feels like so, it is such a, I don't mean like, but better way to live, like easeful, I guess, like joyous, you know, filled with bliss and gratitude, you know, the potential of all of that instead of listening to all the other things that inner knowing it's like, whether it be a whisper, you know, I, I use the terminology, it's like a whisper inside of my soul or it, or it's like, you know, the yeah. whispers of God or universe creator, whatever it is, or higher yeah. self, there is a knowing, you know, and anyone listening to this podcast, there's a knowing inside of you that you are greater than this physical body and that also you are loved and you are seen and you matter and you will go through circumstances and life will try it which will try and tell you that you're not and then our journey yeah. is to come back to that knowing and and the aim is to you know turn that whisper into something that's incredibly loud mm. and the work that we do the, the you know the meditation the going into that the the things that we apply that are constantly sort of turning us back inwards um, the rewiring. So the work that I do with women, it's it's always a rewiring because you want that permanent change. It's all energy work as well as, you know, the conceptual, et cetera, um, because it's all designed to actually amplify that voice to get louder and louder and louder mm. until it's so loud there's no denying. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Like tuning in to a radio station and then yeah. turn up the volume, turn up the volume, turn up the volume. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I have a, this is a more, this is kind of like a personal question. Yeah. It, it, more instead of thinking my listeners, they might like this as well. But being, you said you, you, you obviously got onto this path very early and you raised your little humans who are now, I'm sure, fully grown adults through this. What was this experience like for you being, you know, a spiritually minded woman, coach, shaman while raising children? And ha has that integrated into their life? And what like effect has it? Because, you know, we, we have this thing now. It's like, you know, you probably realize that your parents' parenting wasn't the best and you wanted to do better. And, I, you know, um, I speak to so many women now that either have small kids or are wanting to have kids, but you're kind of on the other side of that. So what does that look like? <laughs> oh, my God. I love this question. Okay, ladies, time to wake up. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. This is such a powerful question. As you can tell, I got this big grin. You know what? Your child 
your future child, like your child, is a soul that came in uh, contractually in agreement with you for certain experiences. No amount of feeding them positive and all the rest of it will change the experiences that they need. Mm. Okay. So, you know, uh, and, and I raised, I had two, two daughters and then a son. And, you know, when the girls reached a certain age, you know, the compliments and things were also about their intelligence and the inner world and all this sort of stuff. Um, one still went through depression, you know, um, does not, did not see the beauty and the power of the incredible woman, you know, that she was becoming. Um, another child didn't matter. I could sit and tell her and how much I loved her and all the rest. And 15 minutes later, she'd come out and go, you don't love me. <laughs> you know, my older sister's the favourite. <laughs> so, you know, stop thinking. We were talking about this world of utopia. Yes, feed your children the positive. Yes, they would, you know, they were very aware of spirit. In fact, it was my daughters in particular that taught me because when I was first immersed in the understanding of this world, separate from the knowing of what I had as a child, you know, I wasn't imparting anything to them. They were telling me, my eldest daughter, when I was running meditation groups with 40 people and stuff, you know, one woman I'd go, you, you weren't with the meditation, where were you? And she said, oh, this little blonde haired girl with this lime green skirt um, took me into this library called the Akashic Records and told me to um, uh, to grow up and to stop being so afraid of my gifts. And her name was Ayla. <laughs> I go, that's my daughter. Wow. And then my daughter would talk to me about things. You know, I would put her to sleep. I would run groups. She would be giggling and carrying on. I'd open the door and go, sweetheart, what are you doing? And she goes, oh, when all your friends came in, um, the friends that travel with them woke me up. Wow. And I'd go, okay, sweetheart, you need to tell them that you're supposed to go to sleep and that they have to leave your room. So I'd close the door and I'd hear her go, I'm so sorry, you have to go. My <laughs> mummy says I've got to go to sleep. You have to leave my room. I'd open the door five minutes later, she was asleep. So they were teaching me. They were yeah. showing me. But the, the thing is, and you're also going to mess up because you get stressed as a human being. Yeah. So you'll say things, you'll do things that you go, oh, my God, I regret, and I think it's being kind to ourselves. Mm. It's also having faith that they have the divinity within them and constantly guide them back to trusting themselves, believing in themselves, but also let them have their own soulful journey. Mm. Um, at the end of the day, you are just mum, mm. you know. So I used to say <laughs> the middle daughter that would go, you don't love me and you favour Ayla <laughs> But I just go, sweetheart, one day you can go do a workshop to get over me. <laughs> it's okay. You know, like um, so it's it's a rough terrain being a parent. Mm. And you might say you'll do things that you go, oh, whoops, you know, but trust to always take ownership. Mm. Also, my children were immersed in that world, so it was incredibly familiar to them. Mm. So they didn't, things that seemed different, you know, then they had to find their place in being different with the other kids at school. Mm. My eldest daughter found that very hard. Um, my middle daughter found it very easy, 
you know. So my eldest daughter would say when the dog died, that's okay, you know, his spirit lives on and, and she would get laughed at and she found that incredibly challenging because she just wanted to fit in. Mm. Um, the middle daughter was very comfortable with that and at a birthday party this boy came up to me and said, I know about angels. Well, how do you know? Aisha told me. How do you know Aisha's right? She told me, do I feel it in my heart <laughs> to be true? Do you know what I mean? So mm. different personalities came in for different experiences and had different strengths and um, so sometimes even raising that way created a challenge for my eldest daughter. Mm. You know, she had such a natural connection and wisdom and owned it and insight. I mean, as a child, we'd be walking through the shopping centre and she didn't do this to everybody. She'd walk past this guy. She was like four. She went, wait, mummy, and she went back and she looked at him and she said, you smoke and you drink too much of that stuff, it's going to make you very sick. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, sorry. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> You know, or um, even as a baby, she very rarely cried and carried on, but people would go take her and I'd go, why? And they go, she's she's looking at my soul. She's in there. Whoa. She sees more of me than I see of myself. Wow. Do you know what I mean? And her son's like that. Um, but it made it very hard for her. You know, now they're all growing. Um, then as the mother, you have to learn when they reach a certain age, they don't want you to share your wisdom with them anymore. They've got to they've got to find their own. You know, I went through a phase where one daughter was like trying to teach me what I taught her. <laughs> and then I learned, oh my God, she needs me to shut up. Yeah. She needs me just to listen to her. It's now her wisdom. Let it be her wisdom. Let it be her insight. Let it be. She's not trying to teach me. She's trying to tell me it's hers now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um yeah. So I don't know if I've answered the question. No, absolutely. I think but it's so beautiful to hear, um, you know, kind of on, for lack of a better word, like the other side of that, because I think, yeah. you know, oh, I'm doing this for my future children so they don't have to grow up and I'm going to give them the best experiences. But they, like you said, they come in for the human experience and there's- They're going to hurt. They're going to mess up. Yeah. They're not necessarily going to appreciate how you've raised them because it's natural to them. Yeah. So it's yeah. the same as my mother. I look back going, oh, my God, there were moments of incredible wisdom and insight from my mother. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Um, and when my daughter, <laughs> when my middle daughter did go to do a workshop to get over me, <laughs> she came back and she's like, Mom, you're amazing. Aww. And I'm like, what do you mean? She said, you know, all the other girls were talking about, because my da this daughter's six foot athletically yeah. built like yeah. and she went to high school girls are terrible in high school yeah. and she would come back in tears because other girls would tell her she's got fat thighs and I'm like are you kidding me so I would take her in front of the mirror and I would say what do you see I've got fat thighs no I want you to scan yourself up and down what do you see well I've got very long legs and I've got you know and do you have fat thighs no I don't I'm very athletic I'm well proportioned. I'm very tall. I'm a beautiful mum, you know. Mm. And she said, I took that for granted because she said, when I spoke that that's what my mother did with me when I was getting bullied, um, everyone else was like, what? Do you know what I mean? So there's their unfolding of yeah. the goodness that you have brought to them. Yeah. You yeah. know, the things that they didn't 
it was that's just my mum. That I don't see that as anything special totally. until you go out in the world and everyone's talking, going, "Your mum said that to you? Mm. Wow!" You know, mm. my one of my daughters travelled up north and you know went through country and stuff like that and came back with a beautiful Aboriginal um, coaster for me, and she said, "Oh my God, mum, I remember those beings coming into my room at night and." Do you know what I mean? So they start to remember the world you immerse them in mm. as being unique from a lot of their friends. They start to embrace the gifts of the knowing and the wisdom and the insight that they have, but it's their journey to come to that knowing just as it was yours and mine. Mm. Yeah, and you, I, I can imagine having someone like you as a mother is like you kind of have to let them go, but you've already created such a beautiful foundation of like deep knowing inside of them, but they have to find it themselves because it's like no one listens to, no one listens to their mom, right? Like it's you could say not that you don't listen to your mom, but you know your yeah. mom could say something a thousand times, and then someone Sally on the street says it once, and you're like, oh my god, that's so profound, right? Because that's just kind of like we don't see the value in who's right next to us sometimes. Oh my god. Danielle, I went through a phase with each of my kids where I felt like they were turning on me, you know, <laughs> but it was right at that particular, all they were picking out was my faults, you know, yeah. the things I'd done wrong. And, and I started to fall into that until I went, oh, my God. And it happens as they start to reach 30, like 28 to, do you know what I mean? And, and it's really the unplugging of that energetic mm. umbilical cord and they're supposed to plug it back into themselves mm. not into a partner not into a friend not a, you know and plug it back into themselves um and then I went oh my god I know what they're going through and then I had to look at myself and adjust mm. do you know what I because I, I was mum why are they turning on me? You know, why are they? It's like I did I did 80% great and 20% a bit fucked up, you know. Yeah, <laughs> That's a yeah. pretty good percentage. And then I just went, no, they're meant to be in this. They're meant to be unplugging. They're meant, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And now they're all back to mum, you're the most amazing mum, you're incredible, we're so proud of you, we love you, Aww. you know, and <laughs> understanding the human condition, so, again, all those things I raised them with, love, compassion, understanding and forgiveness, mm. you know, and my family motto is, I've got it tattooed on here, always return to love, mm. always return to love. And I realised that's what I taught them and they had to come away from that to return to it mm. and see their own faults, their own humanness, their own journey, their own, you know, and plug into the power that's actually within them. It was meant to happen like that. It's mm. it's going to happen like that because it's meant to. It's called their soul growth. Mm. It's really cool to hear that perspective because I think you just, you don't hear that as much. There's at least from my person, I mean, I speak to a lot of women more around my age, but a lot of people, even in the past five years, right, having their own spiritual awakening. So just at a different space in life, haven't had that full, like, you know, had their children, their children grown up in this. And so it's like, it'll be interesting to see as I feel like so many more people are having their own spiritual awakenings, how we're going to be, this is, this is going to be more normal, right? Like it was probably pretty abnormal for your kids when they're growing up, which is amazing yeah. also that it's you very that experience. Like I'm so jealous as well. Cause I'm like, Oh, I wish I had that experience. Right. But again, yeah. your kids wouldn't have known any, any different, right. If it's your normal, yeah. you don't know anything else. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
and, you know, stop thinking that you're going to get it perfect. You do get it perfect at a spiritual sense, but why do we want to protect our children from life experiences when that's the very reason they chose to come here for their life experiences? Mm. You know, um, <laughs> my son from another mother, clearly in a second marriage, um, I don't like, we don't use the word step, like the kids mm. all just say my brother, or, but my son from another mother <laughs> nearly burnt the house down with a party um, and he was feeling so terrible and we made him clean up the mess and everything the next morning too when he was very hungover <laughs> and he was so apologetic and it's like, so you messed up. You're going to mess up again. You're going to get it wrong. Yeah. It's okay. What have you learned from it? Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. again, why are we chasing this utopia when it's all perfect, it's all beautiful mm. and, you know, souls first? Mm. Those Those children that came into my world that gifted me the, you know, gift of being their mother, they chose the life experiences. They came in with their own perspectives, mm-hmm. you know. I raised them all with a whole lot of love and one of them is imprinted with the rejection of that love. Mm-hmm. It wasn't me failing as a mother. It was her lesson, her imprint. It's it's in her hand. Mm-hmm. It's in her numerology. It's in her astrology. It's that's why she came in. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? She's an incredibly sensitive um, empath like her mum. You know, I remember turning once and pointing to her and I watched her. She felt the energy of it. Um, So she had to be guided again back into herself, back into herself, back into herself, you know, stop looking for all that love so desperately outside of herself. She was born with that imprint. Mm. So no amount of love that I gave her was going to change that imprint. Yes, it was beautiful to give to her to constantly reassure her, but it wasn't going to change that lesson that she was designed to come in and have, mm. if that how makes sense. Do, uh, how do you, um, now I know you're a grandmother, right? So what's that? Oh I mean, yeah, I got seven. Seven, wow. How? What is it like grandmother, spiritual grandmothering versus spiritual mothering? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, it's beautiful. <laughs> um, and holding my children's children I, I I could see that you know, like it's like holding um Aisha's son Luca. He looks so like her, and I can feel the resonance in my cells. The same mm. as when I held Ayla's little boy, Caius, and looked just like and I could feel like I feel like it buzzes through me. Mm. And then also recognizing that they're different. But it's beautiful because you don't have the stresses that you have in being a parent. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes even, you know, we have Luca every every Monday and he can get away with stuff with his mum and it can trigger it because she's busy, she's got her job, she's, you know, got the family, she's got all this stuff going on um, that as a grandparent you don't have. So you are there also giving them that constant attention mm. so you have a different relationship. Um and it's beautiful and it's beautiful to watch them all be parents mm. and even the qualities of parenting that I gave that they now carry as well and also that letting go to go these are their children to parent. Mm. Like 
you know, there are times to to just stay quiet. Mm. They will tell me things um, and, I, of course, I, I know it and I'm like, thanks for letting me know. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Because they have that right to voice it. Mm. But, um, yeah, it's you just get the best of the best because you get to hand them back too. <laughs> yeah. that's I, mean, I am an auntie to 14 nieces and nephews. And wow. so I, I like, feel like that. I mean, obviously far from being a grandmother at this point, but it's like you love, love them and then you hand them back and you just get to be like the fun part and the joy. Oh my part. God. Do you know? Right. And one of the one that we have every Monday, he screams the minute he sees me, grandma. <laughs> and you know, I've been drumming him since he was a baby. And the first time I drummed him, he was maybe six months on the ground. Grandpa was down on the ground talking to him. And I thought, I'm going to bring the drum out. And he just threw himself backwards and put his arms out and just went like this. Um, so he loves, he loves breaking into my healing room and drumming. He loves, he's learning to play the crystal singing bowl. Wow. Um, you know, I used to chant to him when he was upset and he would just relax. Um, you know, again, I, I talk to him like when he goes to sleep, you know, sleep with the angels. And when he wakes up, I'm like, what did you see? You know, <laughs> who was with you? And I get to bring that element um, to their lives as well, whether they embrace it as they grow up or whether they don't, that's okay. But this is this is who grandma is. This is the world mm. grandma lives in. Mm. Um, and, you know, young Caius makes me cups of tea and the crystal is the milk and the <laughs> stuff, you know. But, yeah, I just love it. I just love it. And they're all musical in their own way and they're all, yeah, I'll, it's it's great. And, again, mm. it's not permanent in terms mm. of, you know, 24-7. So, mm. Mm. Yeah, so when one of them goes to throw a tantrum, it's easy to handle <laughs> because I don't have the stresses of it being all the time. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah, so I'll just look at them and go, really? You're going to choose <laughs> to do that? Yeah. You're kidding me. You know, and they'll stamp the foot again. I'm like, you really think you're going to get what you want from me like this? And then they laugh because <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not stressed. I'm not, yeah. I'm not mum dealing with it all the time. So it's, yeah. a, it's like taking a snippet of the moments you have with your own children, but it's all the best of it. Mm. And um, seeing my children in them, but then also seeing their uniqueness unfold as mm. well. Mm. Um, yeah. And they're all, they're all beautiful parents, really beautiful parents. And then I know I've done a really good job. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, it's beautiful to see because it's sometimes I think that we when people enter this work it's like the pursuit of perfection you know like oh I'm yeah. just gonna make it perfect I'm gonna make myself perfect my parenting or mothering or whatever partnership and it's there really is no perfect <laughs> we aren't well you're we're already perfect yeah and you're not you're not broken yeah, yeah. we're just being called to remember ourselves yeah, yeah. you know yeah um and isn't it a, isn't it freeing if we go, you know what, it's actually all perfect? Because mm. if I mess up, like we were saying, well, what's the lesson in this for me? You know, um, learning to make different choices, love, compassion, understanding and forgiveness for ourselves first so that we can give that to others. Mm. You know, being kind to ourselves, 
that's a pretty perfect, beautiful world to be in mm. when you actually fully align with that. Mm. Um, mm. Taking the lesson out of something doesn't mean you've messed up. It means you're taking the lesson out of it. Mm. Choosing to change, choosing, you know, mm. better choices for ourselves, choosing to, you know, the worst, the worst adversity, there are different levels of adversity, different variations of adversity, but the worst is what we say to ourselves, that inner dialogue. That to me is the greatest adversity in life, you know, mm. um, and the words that people speak and they're not aware that they're saying them. Mm. Oh, my God, I'm so useless. You know, that would you speak to a child like that? Like coming back to the child, when I say to someone, would you, if you had a little girl come in front of you or a little boy and, and that child said to you what you say to yourself, how would you respond? Mm. And when you, when you look at it like that, you're like, oh, my God. I'd say, would you go, yeah, you're terrible, you're worthless, you're not worthy of anything. So when you sort of present it in that kind of package, people are horrified. No, I would not say that. Well, why do you say that to yourself? Mm. Why do you do that to yourself? You know, sometimes you've got to sort of shock. We need, we need to shock ourselves into an understanding mm. that empowers us to make a different choice. Mm. and go, well, if I wouldn't speak to a child like that, if I wouldn't respond to a child like that, I would never affirm that that child is useless and worthless and ugly. Mm. Why would I tell that to myself? Mm. Mm. And it's it's beautiful wisdom um, and, and so important because I think so many of us do walk around being so unkind to ourselves, but it is the greatest place to start is with your own words to yourself right and and the growth yeah. you can have in that space and stop it <laughs> yeah you know I when I was training myself way back when something would come out of my mouth and, and I'd say to my husband at the time if I say something negative can you point it out to me not judgmentally because again we're not always listening to ourselves until mm. we train ourselves to hear ourselves or if I'd think something I'd stop I'd go, I forgive myself, and then I would put the opposite out into the world. Mm. So I was training myself to, to listen, to mm. reflect, to forgive myself, and then just change it. Mm. See what I mean? Yeah. Mm. Like I call that back, I forgive myself, and then I would put it out. Mm. Um, and that's it's that simple. Stop it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So pick yourself yeah. up on it, forgive yourself for it, call it back. Yeah. Wrap it up in a different package. Yeah. I have moments like that too where I'm like, nope, rewind, delete, like clear. <laughs> okay. Now I read you know, out what I want. To like kids, first. we love that. They love remotes. Yeah. Every one of my grandchildren wants the remote. You know, press pause, mm. press reboot. You know, um, we reboot our phones. We, do you know what I mean? It's not mm. functioning properly, it's stuck on something. Why don't we do that for ourselves? Mm. It's not the fact that we went there. The power is I recognise it, I stop it, and I change it. Mm. And then the more, uh, you'd know this, you know, the more that you build that muscle, eventually that becomes the major operating system. Yeah. And you make and those the other, changes. And the other becomes the lesser then. Yeah, and I, this is one of the things I've been reflecting on um, recently 
you know, in comparison to how long you've been in this work, I haven't been in it that long at all. And so I, I have so many more lessons to learn in this life, of course. And, you know, parenting is something that's coming in the future, not yet becoming. Um, but it's something that I've been reflecting on because I, I realize if I look back to like eight years ago, I, I am so different, but also yeah. I'm like, how did that happen? You know, it, because it, it is so amazing how I have so much more neutrality or self-kindness or self-forgiveness where I was so mean to myself, you know, eight, 10 years ago, but it really was just little moments of just changing the thought, shifting, like, doing a meditation, journaling, choosing the higher thinking thought, choosing forgiveness, choosing kindness. And it's really makes a difference when we actually, you know, we don't, yeah, sometimes we can go to a retreat or do some transcendental experience, but it is just those tiny little moments every single day. And you can be baffled at when that adds up over the years. Like I seriously, me eight years ago would not recognize who I am today in so many ways, but it has just been those little changes. And it's never too late. And but you wouldn't know that feeling and that freedom of that self-value and self-worth and self-love if you hadn't have experienced the opposite. Exactly. That's the thing. But mm-hmm. it's never too late. Mm-hmm. I've got a, a one woman that's going through my um, advanced program, and and going through the first program, she's sixty-four, and she said to me, she now for the first time in her life actually looks in the mirror. And love is reflected back to her. How beautiful is that? Yeah. And she's like, oh, I wish I'd met you when I was younger. And I, no, you met me at the right time. Yeah. Everything you've ever done has led to this moment. Yeah. You know, and you've you've done this. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's not the coach that does it. If you get if you get into the playing field, I always say to people, you know, you play out one hundred percent, you'll get one hundred percent results. You know, people go, well, what's the guarantee with your program? <laughs> well, you're the guarantee. Yeah, right. You are. Different. I'm showing up 100%. Yeah. But if you, you know this from the Olympics, you gave 100% yeah. to get yeah. where you were. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Regardless, that was a choice you made every day. Yeah, yeah. To show up 100% for yourself, for the team, for, you know, the mm. experience, and you got the 100% result. But mm. if you... You know, you, you're not on the tennis court if you've got one foot on and another part of you is sitting on the sidelines. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, yeah. So yeah. it's it's also never too late. I remember years ago in my 30s working with a guy who was 80, and he was gonna he was gonna divorce his wife. Can you believe it? Like, oh, wow. And it all came back to some childhood wounding. Wow. You know, disconnected that. Um, freed himself and um, stayed married. Wow. <laughs> it really is. It's never too late. It ne- it's never, never it too late. late. No. And the, the interesting thing is you always hear people that are, I don't like to say older, but have lived, you know, more years. Yeah, have more wisdom. Yeah. And everyone's like, I because I say it now, it's like I'm 58 years young and I go, but if I close my eyes and don't think about it, I feel the same. Yeah. I feel like I'm the same person. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I'll, you know, yeah. And my mother said it once when she was in Melbourne and someone stood up to give the seat for her on a on a tram. And she's like, no, 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 no. And they're like, yeah, no, no, sit down. And she saw the sign, you know, give your chair up for the elderly. Yeah. And she said, oh, my God, I momentarily forgot that I was in my 80s. Oh. Because <laughs> you know I mean? she yeah. feels internally, she feels yeah. 
she just feels herself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not until you try to get up off the floor and it's not as easy <laughs> as when I was younger or, you know, whatever yeah. it might be. Yeah. <laughs> um, this has been such a beautiful conversation and thank you so much. Is there anything that you'd like to share with people before we head off? Um, any last words of wisdom? There is a power and a wisdom and a beauty inside of you. All you need to do is turn around, go in and access it um, and don't make someone else more important than yourself. So good. I love that. How can people learn from you, reach you, find you, watch your movie, read your book? All the yeah, the movie's, the movie's not out yet. That'll come out this year. Um, yeah. So that's very, very, very exciting. Um, yeah, you can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook. You can go to my website, which is K-A-Y-E-D-O-R-A-N.com. I've got lots of free resources because I really love to be there for people. Um, and um, yeah, then I have my programs, etc. If anyone wants to, to find out about working with me, they can, you know, they can access me via um, Messenger on Facebook or via my website um, but I've got free meditations there I've got mm. a free workshop that used to be a full day's workshop called power up your life which is really about manifesting mm. uh, consciously creating um, and I've also got a pdf there on a five minute process to defuse your fears because mm. it's the fears that um, grab hold mm. and um, keep us suppressed but yeah but I've so loved this conversation. I, I love these moments, you know. This has been so, so thanks good. thanks for having me on. I learned so much. I got so much wisdom as well. So I appreciate you sharing all your parenting advice as well um, <laughs> because, um, yeah, that's a journey I will embark on in the future. And I want to thank everyone for listening. Please reach out to Kay if you want to share anything that you love from this podcast or work with her in any way, shape, or form. And I hope everyone has the most beautiful day. Welcome to the other side, beautiful souls. I so deeply appreciate you spending this time with me. My intention with this podcast is to uplift, love on, and inspire you and align my actions with this intention. But as with everything in the world of personal and spiritual development, Take what feels good for you and leave the rest. As a white, able-bodied, cisgender woman, the perspectives I share here are inherently affected by my privileges. I'm actively invested in learning how to elevate and support lived experiences beyond my own, and I'm always open to and grateful for your feedback. I am listening. No matter who you are, where you're from, or where you're going, I see you, I love you, and you matter. So thank you for listening, beautiful souls, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>